Welcome to Fold in the Cheese, the recipe for fantasy football success. We are your hosts, two average dudes, watched a lot of football, played a lot of fantasy football, and our wives told us to get real jobs. And uh, we said pass. We'd much rather talk about football instead, so here we are. Uh, this is a podcast for those who are just starting in the fantasy football. We want to bring some knowledge to help you get started. We'll be here along with you on the whole journey throughout the season, checking in, checking in with players and seeing who we should sit, who we should start, all that fun stuff. And for those who are a little more advanced, don't worry, we got some stuff for you too. Yeah, so if you're a casual fantasy player and you're tired of not winning, we're going to change that for you. If you never played before and you feel like, hey, I think I'd like to play this and I think I'd like to win my first time through, we're here for you too. Let's make this happen. Get some W's. Let's get it. Welcome back to Fold in the Cheese. It's your boy, Kate Troll, on the mic today. It's a special March Madness edition of Fold in the Cheese. March Madness is upon us. Selection Sunday, two days away, three days away, depending on when you're listening to this. And I am joined, as always, by the Jim Nance to my Vern Lundquist. Hello, friends. Every sport has had an icon who transcends the game. Basketball had Jordan and the sport of sleeping with random hotties as my next guest, Mr. Barney Stetson. We haven't seen Happy Gilmore play this badly since his first day on tour. He and Bob Barker are now dead last. Ethan Gelfan. E, what's happening? It is just madness. You talk about a special, just madness. Let's madness. Madness. I mean... Okay, we already talked about how opening weekend is possibly one of the best weekends in sports. But then like Selection Sunday, there's just something about it. You're just watching it. Even when you're a team, you know you're in, like you won your conference tournament, all that stuff. There's just something about when they flip over those little like tiles and you see like, oh, you just got to know who you're playing, man. You just got to know. You got to know where they seated you. You got to know where you're playing, who you're playing. You want to see your whole region play out. I mean. You start looking at that, and, and of course the announcers, you know, the Billises and people like that, Jay Williams, they're automatically like, I see, like as soon as they flip the boards, they're like, this is a really good draw for Rutgers at the 10 seed. They've got a chance to make some noise here. I actually, I've already got them taking out number two Houston in the second <laughs> round. I'm like, easy there. <laughs> like, we've known this for 10 minutes. Like, yeah. relax. I've already got them winning three games, and you're just like, okay, okay, okay. Although, wasn't it, what was the controversy like a few years back where the bracket leaked or something? It was like a few hours early where the bracket came out, and it, like, it was just ruining Selection Sunday. So then they had yeah, to like quickly, that. they were going to do it two hours early. Everyone's like, coming out of the shower like oh shit we gotta get to the studio <laughs> yeah um, uh, that would be awful that would be a terrible that leak. would be bad but uh so i will just tell you a quick story it was actually a funny slash depressing story so uh this was back in our days at wake forest you know i was with the men's team and so this was my junior year the team the year where we had the stack team where chris was a sophomore chris paul that is and, you know, we had all our returners, Teron Downey was our point guard. We had our big center, Eric Williams. Justin Gray was our, our assassin shooting guard. Sharp shooter, Trent Strickland jumping out of the building. Yeah, Jamal Levy, just like the glue. Anyway. Jamal Levy. Vietas with his Vietas, random three-pointers in the clutch. Know, could get you 30 or three points. It didn't matter. Right. One of the two. Uh, so anyway, our team was stacked. We had a great team. Uh, we should have won the ACC that year, but due to a fluke loss at Florida State. Anyway, I digress. Tim Pickett, fastest so, player in college basketball. Oh, history. my God. Tim Pickett was a beast. Um, you know, so that was also the infamous uh, Chris Paul punches Julius High. So it was a whole domino In effect. In the nuts. A whole domino effect. So going going into that final game at NC State, we really hadn't – well, actually, I take it back. We were one game behind UNC in the standings. Uh, we had beaten UNC. So UNC was playing at Duke. We were playing at NC State. But UNC tipped an hour before we did. 
or an hour and a half. So anyway, I remember explicitly like, okay, we just need Duke to win. And then we can take care of business at NC State. We're ACC champs. So we're on the bus and everyone, you know, this is before smartphones. So we're getting like calls. We're like secretly calling people like, hey, what's, <laughs> what's the score? Because we, we have the flip phones. You know, you don't search anything on the those bus things. radio. Didn't pick it up. Come no, because we think Prosser was going to let us listen to that game. Come on. That's true. So nobody. Well, I take it back. Everybody knew what was going on. And all I know is we knew Duke was up by nine with like two minutes to go. So we're all jacked. We're all hyped. And then I explicitly remember pregame, like we're in the locker room getting ready to take the floor. And we learned that UNC came back and won the game completely deflated. So we uh, there was no chance of us to win the ACC regular season. So we were just completely deflated. We played a terrible game at NC State, yet we were still in it. And so, yes, right before halftime, Chris punches Julius Hodge in the nuts. To this day, <laughs> man, I think it was just an accidental swing. He's going for the rebound. No, it was intentional. No, it, no, uh, it, it was, was very absolutely. Intentional intentional so he ends up hitting the game winner which was awesome so we win the game anyway but chris gets suspended so we go into the acc tournament we were the two seed but then who do we play nc state and we play without chris because he was suspended for one game and we end up losing that game in the quarterfinals so it was not a good run so anyway the reason i bring all this up is uh we had a watch party for the ncaa tournament for the selection sunday again all coming back to selection sunday we're all you know you want to see those tiles flip so the biggest thing was like the entire year, everyone was saying one seed for Wake, one seed for Wake. It's gonna it could be three ACC teams. It could be UNC, Duke, and Wake all getting one seeds. And we're like, yeah, this, this is gonna be awesome. So um, they reveal the one seeds one by one, and you know I can't remember who won the ACC tournament that year. If it was Duke or UNC, let's just go with UNC for that. And so they reveal UNC gets the one seed. Like, okay, yep, we knew that. Someone's like Duke gets the one seed. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't Illinois. remember who this. You're right, Illinois, because that was the beastly year. And then it's like, all right, who's going to get this final one seed? Is it going to be us? And so we're all, we had this watch party. We're at Coach Prosser's house. We're all like huddled around. There's, I'd say, like 50 to 100 of us there. It was pretty sick. And then they flip, they do the final reveal. Washington Huskies get the last. Oh my God. That was Nate Robinson, wasn't it? That was. And there was just an audible, like, a lot of swear words, a lot of just like, are you kidding me? And, um, yeah, so talk about one of your more disappointing se- – what you would think people get excited to get a two seed because we were the number one two seed, but it's like, okay, right, hooray. Right, but right. Uh, you t- talk about the most sad and deflating Selection Sunday reveal party ever uh, was when we did not get the one seed. Then, of course, the rest is history. We go into play in uh, – Second round. In the Midwest region, we played at Cleveland State, and we beat the the – the mocks of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yep. Or, yeah, the mocks. And uh, Owens, yep. we barely beat them. We struggled against them. And then, of course, we ran into the buzzsaw that was the John Beeline coached West Virginia Mountaineers. So, yes. Hmm. Unfortunate turn of events all coming down to a single punch. It can all kind of be transpired back to that. Or, you know, well, what? maybe it's the Look at Syracuse, slash. Buddy Beheim doing the same thing now. So, we'll see. I mean, he's basically the exact same move, but not in the nuts. But not in the nuts, just in the chest. Way yeah, better. I will, um, we're we're going to get to the analysis for Selection Sunday here and for March Madness, but my recollection of the Chris Paul nut punch was he was getting fed up with Julius Hodge he in was. general. Who was, a, who was a bitch? Who was Julius a dick? Hodge was Julius a Hodge anyway. was the worst. <laughs> he was such a bitch. So anyway, CP's getting fed up with him. It's an inbound. It's about mm-hmm. to be an inbound. Incorrect. I thought it was an inbound because Eric Williams on the baseline, or Eric Williams was nearby. Eric I knew Williams CP was nearby. Knew, I knew CP knew 
Big E, as we called him, Eric Williams, who's one of the nastiest men you ever wanted to see in college <laughs> but basketball. also one of the gentlest giants. Oh, I'm, sure he's a, I'm sure he's a hell of a guy, but just, yeah. you know, the most menacing looking dude. Yes. Anyway. Um, 6'9", CP, 285, you know, big know man. you got Big E with you. And CP's like, all right, I got my bodyguard here, basically. I'm just going to go ahead and lay this dude out. <laughs> okay. So I, I see your recollection. Unfortunately, I know it all too well because I shit you not. After the game... Prosser comes up. So, you know, we're at NC State. So it was only an hour and a half away from from Wake. So Prosser actually drove himself to the game. So I shit you not, after the game, Prosser, as soon as we get back into the locker room, he throws me his keys and he says, Ethan, get back to the office right now and cue up the tape. I was like, oh, God. So first of all, this man has the nicest Mercedes of all time. (laughs) You got to drive his car. And I have to drive his car an hour and a half back to Winston-Salem by myself. Just terrified if i do anything to this car so anyway so i've seen this clip too many times so basically what was happening is we were on offense and yes hodge had been getting chippy with with chris all game entire game being very physical so on this play in particular we were on offense and chris was under the basket and they were both kind of jockeying for position to get a rebound and you know hodge julius was kind of using his arms kind of you know stiff arming and grabbing and pulling and so Rebound happened, and then they started making their way back to the other end of the court. Wham! So then Chris just kind of drops the uh, drops the hammer down. And so when I was sitting, because I was sitting on the bench, I thought live time. I thought Big E did it by accident, like because they were just going up at the rebound. I was like, Oh, if Big, Big e-, e had done it. Julius Hodge <laughs> would be buried in the floor somewhere. <laughs> well, I thought it was an incidental one from Big E. I didn't. Yeah, obviously didn't see it was the Chris. Very intentional. Very but, uh, intentional. So, yes, that was quite something. But real quick about Big E. Okay, again, nicest man off the court. Just such a gentle giant. But he was also the sweatiest human being in history. Uh, So, again, he was a massive man. He was 6'9", 285. uh, And in practice, we'd have these drills where uh, everyone would just practice taking a charge. Okay, so it's like the coaches would have this big old blocking pad and you just kind of run into the guy and you practice falling down and flopping and sliding on the ground. So, you know, normal people you fall, get up. So Biggie will sweat if he sneezes. Okay. So this man just is just dripping sweat. So I always dreaded friggin' this drill. <laughs> and so they would always split the guards and the big men and everyone, every manager would always like, I got the guards. I got the guards. I was like, shit, <laughs> I got stuck with the big men. And every time Eric Williams would take that charge, he would literally slide halfway across the damn court because he was so sopping wet with sweat. And I would have to mop up. I would have to quickly get down and towel up all that sweat. So no one oh, my slip. God. Oh, so bad. He was so sweaty. That is hilarious. He yeah. was uh, – God, I love that team. I just rewatched the clip, by the way, if you're correct in your recollection. <laughs> just- you know who else was down there with him bodyguarding? Chris Ellis, also a bad mofo. Chris Ellis was in that play? Also, dude, you don't want to be part of. Yes. That's Chris awesome. Ellis also hanging out down there. So okay, can I tell you another quick, funny Wake Forest Chris Ellis story? Though all right, all right. So again, everyone who sees Chris Ellis, you're like, oh, he's from Atlanta. He's like hardcore. He's this. Oh, oh, damn. He's again. He's six eight, six nine, big dude. Big, yeah. I kid you not. On road trips, he and I would quiz each other on movie quotes. Okay, so he his movie knowledge was very extensive. It was very impressive. I, I was like, dang, he's he's good. But this was the best. So we would always try and come up with some really minute ones to stump each other. I gave him one from Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. Oh, my God. 
And he got it in two seconds and said, that shit is my jam. (laughs) (laughs) That is my favorite movie of all time. (laughs) So, Uh, yeah, just hilarious. I mean, yeah, you see something different on the court than off the court. They're just completely... (laughs) different personalities it was just hilarious that's it why was it's always, just such was, a blast to be it, with it was always funny with him because he had that he'd shoot threes like crazy he would and he, and he had like side spin on the basketball tornado weirdest, style man it was the weirdest looking shot but it was a beautiful shot he was money from three but he was a big big dude as well i don't he know those were, god those were fun days we have those not seen those teams. in about 20 years so. <laughs> would you say about 15 20 years about the same 15, time you haven't seen a certain 15, movie or what years. i stopped watching movies after wake forest stopped being good at basketball so <laughs> has been a long know. time <laughs> let's get into some march madness analysis because we have done some deep diving here deep and we're going to help you guys absolutely crush your brackets this year except for the fact that they are completely random every year and there's no <laughs> way to absolutely crush them but nope. what we are going to do is at least equip you with the historical trends and some things that maybe you're not thinking about whenever you're looking at your brackets and you're kind of like, I'm trying to get cutesy here. Here's what I want to do. We'll tell you the spots where you should get cutesy and the spots where you should just stay chalky. All right. So um, I'm going to start with a couple of traditional bracket strategies as we're all kind of familiar with these. If you're in your office pools, you got the chalky bracket, which I mentioned before. Anytime you say chalk, you're talking about just take the higher seed. Every, going seeds, every man. Going, going favorites. One over 16, one over eight, one over four. One over one. You know what I mean? Like that's all four number ones in the final four. You got that person who's like, I don't know any different. And the people who make the selections know better than I do. I'm just going to trust them. <laughs> I'm taking all of the higher seeds, right? Never works, but Never it, works. it gets you kind of far. And and those people will hang in the tournament for a while. And then they usually get upset because they're like, what? Are, oh, my champion lost. And like, well, you, you, got, you cannot take all ones all the way. <laughs> uh, you've got Mr. or Mrs. Upset Special who... Picks every upset ever. I mean, I'm I'm actually more likely to be this person who's kind of like, I've got a 12 and a 13 and the Elite Eight. You know, it's like, <laughs> people are like, yeah, it's great if it works out. It uh, doesn't often work out. Do so, you call that cutesy if you get like too many upset, like upset specials? So it depends on why you did it, I guess. You know, like if if there's if there's analysis behind it then i would call it the next category which is research heavy <laughs> which i'm somewhere in between the two which is like i won't watch typically i've been better this year i typically won't watch any college basketball until the conference tournaments and then all of a sudden i know everything about <laughs> the whole this, game the and i'm like i got this no, no no i saw it they're gonna win they're gonna crush it and i'm like i just got the whole bracket figured out you yep. know and the selections come out and i listen to all the analysts and i'm like no nah, that's stupid i don't no, like that no nah, that's not gonna happen all right i know better so i'm somewhere in between the two but I do like to have like a 12 or someone someone random, at least Sweet 16. Okay, that's fair. I like to do that. Got to have at least one in there. So you got your research heavy person who's like, I've I've checked out every single BPI and RPI and I've got all any the... Any eyes. Any eyes and all the statistics. I've got it all figured out. And um, they've, they've got some... Usually they have some random upsets as well, but sometimes people do pretty well. And then you've got the randos. <laughs> the randos. I'm picking by color. I'm picking by mascot. I'm picking by state. I'm picking by where I like to vacation, whatever, yep. you know? And the frustrating thing is those people those do, do very well. well. <laughs> they do awesome. Those people do pretty well. If they have the right color or the right mascots, they do pretty well. I will say uh, our son, Miles, last year did a mascot bracket where he he likes to who would win in a fight mascots. <laughs> and so um, he ends up with a bunch of bears and tigers usually at the end and worked out pretty well last year because Baylor won and they're the bears. So. That's true. Bears, there man. Go. There you go. Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. 
So anyway, um, those are the different strategies you will often see for your bracket selections. Here's some things I think you need to consider outside of just uh, team history and all the stats that we're going to tell you. Just in general, always keep in mind the size of the pool that you're in. So the bigger the pool, meaning more people involved in the pool, more likely you are to see similar picks, more likely you see some chalky picks. You're going to have to go counter a little bit. And this is very similar to DFS with DraftKings and football. You've got these um, contrarian plays is what they call them, where you've got everyone's going to be on this particular game in DFS because it's a high scoring shootout. So I'm going to, to increase my chances, I'm actually going to fade that game. I'm going to pick some other games to, to go in on in hopes that that game randomly doesn't turn out to be the shootout that everyone thinks it will be. The same is true in your, in your March Madness pool. If you think there's a very clear cut favorite like this year, for instance, would be Gonzaga. Everyone's going to be all over Gonzaga because they, they're would first you say number one overall. Cut? Would you say they're clear cut though? I feel like I this know. is the first Listen. year where there's like no, like there are probably four teams who could vibe for the number one overall. So I mean, they're, they're number one in rankings and they won their conference tournament and people know they're like, you know, 15 years ago, Gonzaga was like a tournament darling and now they're kind of a staple. They're always yeah. a one or two or something because their conference is garbage and whatever. So I, Mary's, I'd say a lot of people on them. Don't, don't sleep on the Gales. St. Mary, I'm going to pick the Gales at least get into the Sweet 16. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Wow. Yeah. St. Mary's is legit and they have been for several years, in fact. So, but it's still, it's a two team conference. Yes. Um, you see what you want about San Francisco Dons, but the Dons is a one year thing for them. Anyway, so consider the pool size. Um, if, if Gonzaga is the number one overall seed, which we expect they will be, expect that a lot of people are going to pick them. And so maybe you don't pick them to go all the way. Maybe you have an early exit or maybe you just have them final four and don't pick them to win, whatever. Uh, the other thing you want to look at is your pool rules. I've been in some pools where, you get extra points for upset picks. And so in those pools, not only should you expect that more people will pick upsets, but you're going to have to pick a few more than you're probably comfortable with too, because those upsets are worth a lot. If you have a 12 over a five, you might get seven extra points for that. You know, Um, so look at the rules, make sure you know how your scoring goes, plan accordingly. Hmm. Other thing I'd say, same with fantasy football, know your other participants. If you're in a, like I always think about SEC country because I've been in Atlanta and now Nashville. People in these cities love the SEC love their teams. SEC teams. So they're going to have Tennessee going really far. They're going to have Auburn going really far. You Kentucky. Know I mean? Arkansas. Kentucky. Kentucky. Like the, the teams, I'm just looking through the rankings here, you know, Kentucky, Arkansas. They're going to have all the SEC teams going super far. And that doesn't mean they won't. It's just, again, if you want to play contrarian, know your pool, know, your, know the other people in your pool, and maybe go against the grain a little bit. And then the last piece of advice before we get into the numbers don't pick all number one seeds to make it to the final four. It has happened one time since 1985. That's 37 years. It has happened once. Okay. Don't do it. Don't do Just it. Just don't do it. Just say no. Just say, what are we on? Dare now? Because that is, that's a it's 90s. You talk about it. big fella. <laughs> it's a Vern Lundquist. There you go. Talk about Love 1985. It. That's, that's prime dare time. I guess it was more like 94, but still that era. That's true. Very true. Does Dare still exist? Dare does still exist. I still see the cars every now and then driving around. <laughs> really? The I Dare cars. Yeah. I wish I still had those t-shirts. Just the D. We period. used to have... Oh didn't, oh, didn't we also get like a... Speaking of car, didn't we also get a card? Didn't we get a Dare card or like a complete certificate? Just Maybe a certificate. no for life. Yeah. Boy, that one did not stick with us. <laughs> <laughs> what did Dare stand for? Drug awareness? Drug. Alcohol? I think it was... Uh, Stat boy. Drug and alcohol resistance. I don't know. I got to look it up right now. What does it stand for? You continue. Drug abuse resistance something. 
damn yeah. mean. You keep going. I'm going to. Okay. Oh, here we go. Wait. No, no. This is like the mission statement. You got to use the periods and then see what the acronym is. Daredevil. I think it was drug abuse resistance education or something like that. Oh, now I just gave yeah. me the definition of the word dare. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to look it up while you're looking up it so you get it faster. Well, Drug abuse resistance education. I got it immediately. I found it. Define, assess, respond, evaluate. <laughs> no, those are the steps. <laughs> you find someone comatose. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is that lion was the mascot? He was a jacked lion. Tell me, he wasn't doing some roids? Come on. He's jacked. Look at this guy. Look at him. They didn't, they didn't consider roids as part of their program. Yeah. He's jacked. Those are mostly narcotics. Drug abuse okay. resistance. So I was, uh, yeah, I, I can actually probably say I've never used narcotics, but um, <laughs> yeah, alcohol on the other hand, which was not part of the program. Different story. Let's go. get into some analysis. Oh, I, would right. like, I would like for you to start because I've been talking a ton already and I've got a bunch of data as well and people are going to yeah. be tired of hearing me. So let's just mix weave some stuff in there you want to weave all right weave it. um well so kemper and i both kind of split up we, we figured okay you know what we're going to do some deep dive into analysis we really want to kind of see what data is out there and maybe be a good predictor or just kind of see some trends so the stats that i was looking at was basically and keep in mind these are these statistics and data i'm, I'm sure you're going to hear the same from kemper are from 1985 on just because that's kind of once the bracket uh, became 64 teams, 1985 is kind of the staple of when you get your traditional NCAA March Madness tournament. So that's kind of where this data is being pulled from. Um, so the things that I was looking at here, the, the big ones that I was looking at is conference performance since 1985, performances by seed, meaning like overall records, uh, you know, how many championships each seed has won and each seeds record versus the other seeds. Again, we're going deep. You're going deep. And then I also, just because of, you know, what UCLA did last year, I talked to Kemper and I, I really want to look at this, um, the play-in team performances. So also keep in mind the play-in teams, that just started back in 2011. So it's, you know, a smaller time frame, not as big as a, a window to, to kind of get the data. But it's pretty interesting to see. So those are the those are the three main categories I'm going to be talking about. And Kemper and I will be going back and forth. So, you know what, let's just start with play-in team. Because, you know, those those are the games that happen on the Tuesday before the the official opening weekend. These are your last teams that that get in. These are the ones that are on the bubble. They get some big name teams, but then you also get some um, low, low mid-major conference champions that just get in. Oh, yeah, yeah. These are all conference champions that are like 16 seeds or 11, but they give them a couple more. Uh, So anyway. Yeah, so, so they're always 16 and 11s, right? Is that right? Well, they now they are. Recently. They now are more they, recently. Yeah. Like when they yeah. first came out, there was 16, 12, 11s. There was like 16, 14, 12. Anyway, nothing higher than an 11 seed. Okay. And it was now it's always a 16. But yes, since what year is it? Since 2015, they have all been 16s and 11s as okay. uh, the first. And when you say this is actually also important, when you say higher seed, yes. I've always been, it I've confusing. always gotten this backwards, right? And you were in involved in college basketball so i'm going to take your word for it but when you said higher seed you mean a smaller number meaning like the one would be the Correct. highest seed the you better get. seed when the i say higher the lowest seed, seed. Yeah. the lower seed being a six the lowest seed being 16 yeah yes gotcha okay, okay. gotcha yeah so when i say higher seed the better seed that's what good. how i refer to very it. good all right so here's what just a quick thing uh so yes in the past um since 2011, there have been two teams 
that have played in the play-in game to make it all the way to the Final Four. There have been two teams. Kem, can you name one of them? Well, UCLA did it last year. UCLA did last year. Can you name the other? I will be. You have a connection to it. It is a convoluted um, one, but you have a connection. So I um, I actually I think whenever you said you were first going to look into this, I said didn't VCU play in and make it to the Final Four? Yes. So VCU back in 2011, the VCU like the very beginning. Yep, they played USC in the first four. Then they beat number six Georgetown. Then they beat number three Purdue beat number 10 FSU, beat number one Kansas, and then in the final four, lost to eventual runner-up Butler. Are you um, saying my connection is Jamie Skeen? Your is that connection is Jamie Skeen. <laughs> As I said, very convoluted connection. Yes, Over Jamie Wake Skeen. Forest bench player. <laughs> the four, well, he was a solid role player for us. He was okay. Yeah, He, he, was like didn't, a, a he didn't get the time. Team. He yeah. didn't get the time he needed. Uh, and he was a stud for that VCU Rams team. Yeah, um, he was. So, uh, so, yes, there have been twice – uh, since 2011, when the planes, or as they like to call the first four, first started, that uh, a team has made it to the final four, which I thought is awesome. That's really cool. Um, another interesting thing is that every year, except for one, which was 2019, at least one first four team has upset someone in that first round. So that meaning like they win their first four game, then they, you know, you officially enter the tournament and then you win that first game. So every year that has happened except once. And that was in 2019 where all the first four winners then lost, lost their the first round. Correct. I but love every, that. Every other really year, that. one first four team has always won. Okay? okay. Okay. I like that. Okay. And then again, since 2011, we have had one, two, three, four, five teams make it to the sweet 16. Wow. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, these are always ele- the ele- like, it's not the 16, obviously. So it's like, it's always the 11. It's or 11. Or 12. You know, so it's really 11s. 11 ranked VCU or 11 seated VCU. 13th uh, seated LaSalle in 2013. 11 seated Tennessee in 2014. And 11 seated Syracuse. Remember when they went on that run uh, back mm-hmm. in 2018. And then, of course, last year, UCLA. So we've had five teams make it to the Sweet 16. We have had one, two, three. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine make it past the first round. So you're yeah. talking about your upset, you're winning the first four, then you're getting into the tournament in that first round, upsetting so, whoever they beat. So to synthesize this, I would say from what I'm hearing, yes, I would pick one of the play in teams to win their first round game. Yes, an upset. because another interesting fact only, yeah, and no year have two play in team winners won their first round game. It's only okay. it's always only been one. So you gotta okay. find that right one. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So yeah. there's I'd say let's just maybe that's like our first nugget for people first is nugget. pick a play in team one. to win a game. Just one. Okay. I'm gonna take some notes here. I'm gonna like, <laughs> put us like a full Bible of like how to pick your bracket here. Yeah. So I mean don't poo poo the play in team the, the first four games, man, because every year except for 2019 they have won at least one game. So you got to choose one of them. I mean, if if history is telling us anything, it's that these these first four playing games, there's, you're going to have one winner in that first. I guess they call it the second round now. Um, they do, which is so kind of garbage. I don't it like is kind of dumb. Yeah. Let's just call it what it is. Like you, you, you shouldn't have really been in the tournament, but we kind of threw you a bone. <laughs> it's a playing game. Do. 
Now you're in the first round. I just think that should still be the first round. Yeah. Anyway. Because I digress. To take, take well, one just one. so we can get the listeners on the right page. So technically, they call the the you know the first four games. That's the first round. Then you have the round of sixty four, which is technically the second round. The round of thirty two, which is essentially the third round, and then you go Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight, Final Four, Champion. Yes. There you have it. That was fun. Yeah. Watching the playing teams was was cool to kind of. I I did not think that they would have one that every year except for one you'd have at least one winner, and then to have so much success. Two Final Fours, a few Elite Eights, a lot of Sweet Sixteens. I mean, damn, man. That's pretty good. Okay. All right. So that's going to be the all the info for the playing games. Yes. Um, do you want to move on to your next bit? You want me to jump in? What do you want uh, to do? Why, why don't we just alternate a little bit? You jump in if you feel it. You're feeling good okay. about it. So I was tasked or volunteered with checking out historical conference tournament champions in the tournament. So they went on to win their conference tournament specifically. And does that carry momentum into the big tournament? Cause you always wonder like this team's hot. They've won their last six games. Well, like, right. you know, four of those were in the tournament. Right. Um, and I also wanted to look at a stat that I'd kind of heard about uh, last year when I was doing my brackets, which is to take a look at preseason rankings mm-hmm. and their performance in the tournament. So I, as I was looking at preseason rankings, I started to also look at final rankings, which are the rankings that come out right before the tournament starts. The last rankings should come out next Monday uh, for this tournament. So preseason rankings and final rankings, and then how they did in their conference tournament. So um, I also, and I don't want to steal any of your thunder here, but I had some seed information as far as champions go, not as far as like how far they typically go, but just to give you an idea of like the last, I looked at the last 20 years of tournaments um, and so rather than going all the way back to 85, I thought the tournaments changed a decent amount as well. Uh, maybe you get a little bit clearer idea of some trends if you just look at the last 20 years. So that's what I did. Uh, there was a little, a little more madness, I think. Madness. Um, historically, they've gotten better at rankings. They've gotten better at non-conference games and all that, right? Madness. <laughs> so um, I'm just going to, I'm just going to brain dump a little bit about what I have decided is the profile of a champion. Ooh. And so this is how I'm going to break it down. So that's did going to you, include all did, of the data that I just mentioned. Did you talk to Nelly to get this profile of champion? Because he, he has is, the heart of one. So I didn't know if you consulted with him. Uh, ain't no way they can stop me. Anymore. Right. Um, Nelly, because I'm on my way. I can feel my ring coming. Anyway, we could, do this all, <laughs> we could go on and on. Can we call uh, Chris? So, I'm sure he could help us with this too. Let's just get Chris him on the line. <laughs> so I've got the profile of a champion for you. And this is going to include a little bit of seed information, a little bit of conference affiliation, a little bit of um, conference tournament experience. This has got a little bit of everything. Okay. So I'm still a little bit of your thunder, but I think you're going to deep dive a little bit more. So here we go. Number one seeds in the final four since 1985. This is the one stat that I did go back to 85. I mentioned this earlier. Only once have all four number ones made it to the final four. Don't pick all four number ones. Don't do it. Four times, only four times have three of the four number one seeds made it to the final four. So I was a little surprised by that. So really, don't even pick three of them to make it there. What you're seeing the most of are one and two number one seeds making it to the final four. Pretty evenly split. 14 times, two of the final four, half of the final four were number one seeds. 15 times, only one number one seed made it to the final four. If you combine those two, you've got 81% of the time. You're getting either one or two number one seeds in the final four. Look so, at that math. That was just quick math. Good job. 81%. Yeah. I would say pick one or two of your number ones to make it to the final four. 
Okay. That that is something I would I would do based on historical trends. Yes. Uh, fifteen of the last champions, on the other hand. So now we're going to talk just about champions. Fifteen of the last twenty champions were number one seeds. I was a little surprised by that, uh, especially considering that you're only getting one or two of them in the final four. But I thought it might be like you know majority like twelve maybe. Fifteen is pretty substantial. Fifteen of the last twenty champions were one seeds. That's a lot. One of the last 20 champions was a two seed. Three of them were three seeds. That's kind of a random factoid. And then we had a seven seed in there. I think it was UConn. UConn. Uh, I was just going to say, who is that seven? Yeah. So uh, I think there again, I would take a take a one seed. Just, just playing the numbers, I would take a one seed, which sounds kind of chalky. But, Rock chalk. Rock chalk. Um, okay. Of the last 20 champions, 15 of them came from either the ACC or the Big East. That is shocking to me. I know those are the two best basketball conferences out there. Anyone who tries to come at me with the SEC can just sit down. 15 of the last 20 champions from the Big East or ACC. Eight from the ACC, seven from the Big East. Okay? so And, and eight of the last 10 as well. So you're, you're still, even more recently, eight of the last 10 came from those two conferences. Uh, in the last 20, you've seen three from the SEC. You've seen two from the Big 12. There has not been a single champion from the Pac-12 or the Big Ten oh, poor, in the last 20 years. Poor Big Ten, because it was the year 2000. Just missing Kemper's deep dive. Just, come on, give Mateen Cleave some Sorry, love. Sorry, Mateen. Give him I some did love, love. Mateen Cleave you know back in the day. Do the pump in the shoulders. Like, oh, mm, mm, mm. Do the little running man on the court. Come on. I did used to love him. He was good. Because he was little. He, he was, was tiny. a little guy. Okay, so there again, Big East, ACC. Give favor, preference to them. Uh, conference tournament champions. This was actually not a great indicator. So of the last 20 champions, only nine of them were also champions of their conference tournament. Hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting. It's really it kind of 50-50. So it's not a great indicator for you. Only three of the last 10 were also champions of their conference tournament, and all three of those came out of the Big East. So the only conference tournament that seemed, more recently at least, to have any real weight was the Big East tournament. So surprisingly, that tournament is like the longest and like the biggest. Oh yeah. and, Big know. East tournament is also always so much fun. I did one of the best Big East tournaments, and this is actually probably one of those times was the Kemba Walker UConn team where they had to play the first day. I think they had to play five or six games in the Big East tournament alone, and they won that. They won on a tear. Yeah, they were like a ten seed or something, and they went on. And a they tear. they won that, and then they won the tournament that year. Yep. So I mean, yep. there's that quintessential team right there my gosh yeah so i would say um for the most part especially in the last 10 years i would probably stay away from conference tournament champions hmm. i think the exception would be the big east there the last power five traditional power five school to win both the conference tournament and win the national championship was duke in 2010 that's been 11 years and that was a team that beat butler was it not where uh, Gordon yes, Hayward had Gordon that Hayward. last yep. second heave. Oh, if that had yep. gone in, honestly, one of the probably the best win championship game of all time. If that it would have been, in. and it actually is one of the best anyway because it, it yeah. came out of that shot and because of how close it was. But that was a hell of a shot. Uh, so I would again, I would prob- probably not choose a conference tournament champion if you need to. Big East is your safest bet, but yeah, that's so not going to give you a whole lot. Real quick, going on to that, would you? So obviously, we equated. Okay, well, if you're winning your conference tournament, you're hot. You're in the zone. Would you equate then on the flip side? You're playing for three, four games in three, four days. Tired. You think that yep. that would play why? That'd be. I why. think it definitely plays into it for sure. You're a little bit spent because you got all that energy out for 
because I think so, these guys like these guys want to win yeah. the tournament championship, right? They get they get hyped about it, and so it's sort of like a you've already accomplished what you wanted to, or that's the apex of your season, or whatever. Um, but yeah, I do think that I think emotionally they're spent, and I think physically they're they're worn out too. So what you're telling me is Wake Forest is putting themselves <laughs> in a perfect position. Yeah. So I also <laughs> I didn't um, I didn't deep dive this, but I did see a stat <laughs> recently that said at least the last ten national champions made it to at least the semifinals of their conference tournament. Dang it. Opening round. There's a thread. There's a thread in the needle where like you don't want to win it, but you either want to be in the semifinals or make it to the finals and lose. Basically. Yeah. I feel like semis are fair. I feel yeah. like that's fair. So yeah. I think you do want someone who does well in their conference tournament, but maybe not even necessarily the winner. Um, however, I will say this is a different category, but six of the last 10 national runners up so second place they made it to the championship and they lost six of the last 10 were conference tournament champions see that's so where i can equate seeing like where you're getting high i i just think of these michigan teams where yeah you know they were solid during the regular season and then all of a sudden they turn it up in their conference tournament they'll win the big 10 they'll get like a four or five seed i think one year they were an eight and then they made it all the way to the championship game they lost to louisville and then who they they lost to nova right was that the other time they lost within the past 10 years they didn't play Nova in the championship, I don't think. Oh, uh, they lost. Nova, Nova beat Carolina that year. Anyway, but um, that's what I, I just equate that of, of those Michigan teams where it's like, oh, they, they got hot. And then it's like, okay, it finally caught up with them or they could. Yeah. It's just like, no, you did awesome to get here. But it's like, okay. Yeah, run, run I'll, get, I'll get to this later, but um, almost half of the final four teams were conference tournament champions. Yeah. Okay. Over the last 20 years. So that is, you're right that there, it does carry some momentum, but for whatever reason, they tend to not be able to pull it all off. So it's just kind of interesting. Hmm. Um, so then I'm going to jump into the rankings thing. This was, I think, a very underrated predictor. Okay. Okay. So preseason rankings are most interesting to me. Final rankings, they just kind of tell you that they're going to end up as a, high, as a as you would say, a low seed in the tournament. <laughs> That's still backwards for me. Um, so 17 of the last 20 champions were ranked in the preseason top 25. Preseason, so they were somewhere in the top 25. 16 of the 20 were preseason top 10. Hmm. So, I mean, you're like, I think what it tells you is that they're they're looking at talent when they're doing the preseason rankings. They're looking yeah. at recruiting classes and talent and maybe coaching, right? And so, although those teams will kind of fall in and out throughout the season, by the end of the year, They'll be back. I think that the, the argument is that talent's going to win out and coaching's going to win out. So, 16 of the last 20 champions were ranked in the top 10 preseason that's okay. the stat i'm going to hang on to yeah. 17 of them were ranked at all but since 16 of them were top 10 i'm going to go with that 12 were in the top five wow. i think 16 in the top 10 is the most compelling top 10 yeah yeah all 20 were ranked in the final rankings which we both kind of laughed because <laughs> we're like well obviously yeah. they won but the final rankings meaning the rankings that come out right before the tournament starts so the top 25 teams in the final rankings are going to comprise the six and seven seeds the first six and seven seeds of each region typically so if UCLA had won last year per se, that would have bucked that trend, right? Yeah, I do not, the, yeah, yeah. They would have been the first one to have not been ranked in the final rankings. Um, seventeen of the last twenty were ranked in the top ten in the final rankings. Sixteen of the last twenty were ranked in the top seven in the final rankings. So again, you, I mean, that just confirms that like fifteen were number one seeds, basically. I mean, that's that's sort of what that tells you. Okay. So I've kind of composed this little list here: profile of a champion. They're number one, they're ranked in the preseason top 10. Number two, they're ranked in the top 10 of the final rankings. They are a number one seed or maybe a number three seed. If you want to get cute, 
<laughs> that's the second second most likely. I'd say big preference to the ACC or the Big East because they've got 15 of the last 20 tournament champions. They've also got 15 teams in each of those conferences. <laughs> they do have a lot of teams in each conference. Uh, if it's the ACC, I wouldn't necessarily give preference to a conference tournament champion. If it's the Big East, I'd be fine with it. And so when I look at all that stats and data and all that information, that brings me to two teams as most likely champions based on history, and that's Duke and Villanova. Both those teams are currently ranked in the top 10. They were preseason top 10. They'll both be a one, two, or three seed, most likely. And they're in ACC and Big East. Okay. Hmm. It's quite. And so... I think there's there's a possibility. So I gave a couple of possibilities too. <laughs> like it's possible that you could see Kansas or Baylor, although the Big 12 has not won, has only won one championship in the last 20 years. And that was last year. That was last year. <laughs> and then the Slump Busters, these are the ones I think Wait have a, a shot. Second. That's not but, right. Because Kansas won it uh, within the past 10 years. Bill Self has a title with Kansas. He's been there longer than 10 years. I know. But you're saying that only one Big 12 team has won it in the past 20 years, and you're saying that was Baylor. But Bill Self has won a title with Kansas. I apologize for calling you out on the stats here, but they have won. They've won one. Granted, it's only one, which is kind of disappointing. But I do know that Kansas did win. They won. Or it has to be within the last 20 years. I want to say, who did they beat? They played Memphis in that epic game with Derrick Rose. Oh, that was years ago. But that was, I think that was, it was the early 2000s, I would have thought. So it was 2008. Okay, so maybe this is, maybe they have two champions in. Maybe this didn't include the Baylor championship last year. Okay. They, um, da, 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 da. Oh, no, I had, I had two from the Big oh, 12. Oh, yeah, it was No, Memphis. I had two from the Big 12. Oh, you do have two Pac-12? I, had, I, I mean had two Big 12. The, two from the Big 12 and three from the SEC. Oh, okay, yeah. I thought you only said one. Would that be No, 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 I had two in there. Okay, Two good. from the Big 12, three from the SEC, none from the Pac-12 or Big 10. Okay. So, yeah. So, that's why, that's why like, Kansas is, like, a possibility because the Big 12 has not done as well, but they have the rankings, and they'll probably, they could very well likely end up in a one seed. Same with Baylor. They've got the preseason and postseason rankings. There we go. Uh, the slump busters here would be UCLA, Purdue, and Gonzaga, all because of conference affiliation. They do fit the bill as far as preseason rankings go. Uh, UCLA has a chance to be in the top 10 final rankings. They're at 13 right now. Purdue is right at the edge of nine there. So all of those have the possibility as far as preseason and postseason top 10. Could be a one, two, or three seed. Um, but they, their conferences have not won a championship in the last 20 years. Okay. That's what you mean by slump busting. Got it. That's there. what I mean by slump busting. Yep. Okay. Nice. Wow. Okay. That was quite the profile. Um, a lot of information there. A lot of information. Okay. Well, since you were kind of talking, you know, you're, you're mentioning seeds. Figure this is as good as time as any. I, I literally went with each seed, got their overall record from the tournament since 1985, and, uh, and each seed's record versus the other seed, which – Doing this was super fun because it was just so crazy to see, you know, how many different matchups there have been with between seeds and how many there has not. Like, I was shocked to see how many seeds have never played each other in the tournament. You know, obviously, you, you got to discount the, the 16 seed because, you know, they only won one time since 1985, and that was actually very recently. But there were some interesting matchups that you, like, you've never seen or have seen very few times. Uh, like four, just a quick, sh- for example, four seeds have only played each other 
two times since 1985. In the final four or championship, I guess. I guess. Yeah. Those are the only times they would have played each other. You know, the four seed has only played the 10 seed twice. The five seed has never played a seven seed. So like just kind of fun stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. So let's start at the bottom, shall we? Uh, So obviously the 16 seed prior to three years ago had never won a tournament game. So they were over, but they are currently one. uh, They have the conference championship game, I think today as well. There we go. So they are currently one and 144 overall. (laughs) Uh, with their record being one and 143 against one seeds and oh and one against the nine seed <laughs> so when they <laughs> they beat virginia then they lost to whatever the nine seed was that year uh 15 seed uh has a little bit more success so everyone's giving crap to the 16 but it's not like the 15 is that much better so overall the 15 seed has won 11 times so they're 11 and 144 yeah. uh, so they've won against the two seed nine times then they've won against the seven seed twice. Oh, Oral Roberts, Oral look out. Oral are you. Oh, so, are you. Uh, so, but then they have not made it past that. They have lost to the 10 seed, shockingly, five times, which is crazy. Uh, but yes. Wow, so, that, uh, that is kind of crazy. That means that <laughs> right? the 10 has beat the seven that many times. Yep. So I remember the first 15-2 upset I remember was Hampton beating Iowa State. I oh, yes. Was, That's with uh, Marcus Pfizer was on Marcus that Iowa Fizer. State team. Marcus Pfizer, yep. Okay, so now we're moving up to the 14 seed. Getting a little bit better here. Overall, they have 24 wins since 1960, since 1985. Uh, again, with 144 losses. So they've beaten the three seed 22 times. And then they've uh, only beaten the six seed twice. With an Ophers against the 11 seed, uh, playing them six times. So, so that's and- almost every, that's more than every other year during that span. 22 times in 37 years. Yeah. So you're talking, I mean, more than... Potential... More than- Every other year. Yeah. So, I mean, start start watching now. We're, we're getting up there. So now... That's where Norfolk State and UNC Wilmington and teams like that always end up being dangerous. Yep. Okay, so now we're at the 13. They have won a total of 36 games. So that's one a year, man. One a year. One a year. One a year. Okay. So they have beaten the four What's the, re- what's the recency on that? Do you have a... Uh, uh, I don't have... I anything? think it was last year. Because I think it was they beat um, Texas. Whoever beat Texas. Albion Christian. Abilene, Abilene Christian, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yes, they have beaten the four seed 30 times. Um, they've beaten the five seed three times. And they've beaten the 12 seed. Again, these are all in those second round matchups uh, three times as well. So, we're creeping up there, man. Oh, just so you know, 16 through 13 have never won a national championship, in case you were wondering. Okay. <laughs> just, uh, I think Ohio beat Virginia last year, too. Yes, you are correct. Yep. That's two last year. That was wild. Okay. So now we are at our fabled 12-5. Yeah, okay? everybody talks about this one. Everyone talks about the 12-5. So, since 1965, the 12 team, the 12 seated team, 1985 or eight, Why do I keep saying 65? It is 1985. <laughs> okay. All right. So since 1985, the 12 seed has won 78 times with losing 164 times. Okay, but so here's the crazy part. That's two a year. Yeah. They lost 164 because they played a second game. Yep. And so they have beaten the five seed 40 times. So that's more than, I mean, that's just slightly over more than once a year. But then, so you're, wait, you're like, well, wait, you know, how, why am I, there's still more wins there because then they keep winning. They've okay. beaten the four seed 13 times 
again, this is since 1985, so it's a lot of years, but still 13 times that's saying they've made it to the Sweet 16. Every third year they make it. Now we had Oregon State did it last year, so maybe yep. this is not the year to do it. Maybe you <laughs> so stop every at one win. <laughs> Give them one. They've earned at least one. Um, so yes, so they've won 78 times since 1985. Uh, and crazy enough, they have a winning record against the 13 seed. They're 9-3. and three. That's their only winning record. Um, okay. Against the one, they're 0-20. Uh, four, they're 13-29. and 29, And obviously they play the five the most, so there's a lot of losses, but they do have a good amount of wins. So hang on. So against the one, they've never won. Did they've they play an eight or nine? You said they have played the eight twice and they are two and oh against the eight seed. Okay. Um, they're oh and two against the two seed. Well, that was Loyola last year, wasn't it? Um, like, they were the eight that, that Oregon State would have played. And yeah, that sounds about right because they beat Illinois, right? Yeah, they, they beat, beat Illinois. Illinois. Yeah, so they beat Loyola. And that was one of those. Okay. Okay. So, let's, so if you're gonna if you're gonna take the twelve to win against the five, and you're gonna take the four, then it's a little dicey, right? I mean, they're what's a little the dicey. Four? Uh, thirteen and twenty nine, which is not, not bad, bad. Yeah, <laughs> which not is bad. not bad at all. If you have the thirteen upsetting the four and the twelve upsetting the five, take the twelve, and if you have the eight beating the one somehow, take the twelve. Yep, there you go. There's your path. There's your path. Don't take a twelve to beat a one in the Sweet Sixteen. No, do not do 0 that. 0-20. Oh and 20. All right. So now we're at the 11 seed. This horse gets a little interesting. You're starting to get, you know, starting to even out a little bit. So the 11 seed is 98 and 164 all time. Okay. So this is the 11 seed. So typically the 11 plays the six. So we mentioned that the 12 has beaten the five a shade under 50 times. Okay. Well, this 11 has beaten the six 60 times since 1985. So I mean that's that's almost that's two a year. Almost two a year. Okay. So here's you're starting to see where they're playing other seeds more as well. So after they beat the six, you know, then more than likely they're playing the three. Okay. They're 18 and 38 against the three. So they got 18 wins. So that's every other year they're beating the three. Okay. Not bad. Every third year, yeah. Is it every third? No. Yeah. 18 plus 18, 18 and 36. 38. Not, not 18 of 38. 18 oh, and well, 38. I'm just saying they've had 18 wins in 35 years. But anyway. Um, oh, we got you. Yeah, got you. But then here's what's crazy. They've played the number one seed nine times. Their record against the one seed is four and five. Wow. <laughs> it's four and five. Yet their record against the two seed is three and 15. Wow. So they... Yeah, so they obviously UCLA beat Michigan last year, I guess, to make it to the Final Four. Yeah, that was one of those. That was one. So did they end up playing Alabama? So VCU beat Kansas, beat that Kansas team. So there's another one. Yeah, um, so they played. So Arkansas. Were just playing I think, games. I think, I think Arkansas beat Alabama last year, maybe or something like that. So anyway, yeah. I, I just found that interesting. A great record against the one seed with so a terrible two, record against the two seed, three yeah. and fifteen. Pick two 11s to win a game. Yep. Okay. Now we're up to the ten. 10 overall is 105 and 168. Again, still no, no national champions. So against the seven seed, they are 67 and 101. So you're basically, you're almost getting, almost getting One two. Three, kind of, yeah. Almost there. And then after that, it's not as great. So you don't see your 10s necessarily going as far. So the next you would see the 10s playing the two seed where they are 22 and 40. So they've got, they've won 22 times, but they've also lost. 40 times. Um, so eh, toss up, 
you'd I don't really see the tens going that far. Um, this is a cutesy pick where you're kind of exactly. Like, it certainly does happen, but again, if you want to play probability of your twos getting further in the tournament in general, we'll okay. see. Okay, so now we're moving up to the nine. The nine has fewer wins than the ten seed. The nine seed has won 98 times and lost 168 times. So obviously the eight and nine, you think figured to toss up. And if you look historically, it basically is you're looking at 81 and 87. Okay. So I mean, take that for what it is. Uh, as far as then once they go to play the number one seed, I would stop there because they are eight and 73 since 1985. Wow. So not great odds. Uh, so yeah, I would I would cut your losses there. Okay. Okay. Moving up to the eight seed. They have won significantly more games than the nine seed. So that means once they beat the nine, they have a better chance of progressing further, which is interesting. You think it's what's the difference in that you one think seed? It's a toss up, yeah. You think. They have won 126 games versus 167 losses. So again, against the nine seed, they're eighty seven and eighty one. But then you go up to them when they play the one seed. They have won 18 times. They've won 18 times. Granted, they've lost 71 because that's the most common matchup. But they have won 18 times against the one seed. But then you look at that and you say, okay, uh, if they ever advanced past that, they've beaten the four seed seven times. They're seven and four against the four seed. They're three and one against the five. They're three and one against the six. They're five and four against the two seed. The only yeah. seed they have a root losing record a bit at besides the one is a three seed where they're zero and two, and shockingly, an eight is zero and two against the twelve seed. Yes, <laughs> so there you go. Oregon State matchup. Give it Weavers. to the twelve. Okay, so that is interesting. So eight and nine, just for if you don't pay that much attention, these are often going to be power five schools yes. that are bubble teams. Yeah. All right. So this is where you end up with teams that didn't win their conference tournament, but they maybe had a good run at the end. This is where like uh, last year it was like Missouri and Oklahoma and teams like that, you know, Wisconsin and North Carolina were an eight, nine last year. Georgia tech was in there. Like these are, these are usually power five schools that had like a solid season. Yeah, they were meet. They're kind of mediocre. And, and so um, keep an eye on those. And this, the thing about those teams is they play good enough schedules that they've already played the best teams in the country. Yep. And so they can compete. They've got that resume. They know how to they're play in, them. Yeah. They're in a big conference. They can, they can, they can scare players. You. you know, they can scare you. It, it really is kind of scary. It's a tough second round matchup um, because you, you'd almost would prefer your one to play like um, even somebody like a St. Mary's who like is a great team this year in particular, but they might be like a, a four seed. I was going to say they'd be a four or five. It's my I mean, you almost prefer them to play St. Mary's because St. Mary's has only played Gonzaga and a bunch of no names, you yep. know, whereas if you get like Miami or somebody who's played Carolina and Duke and Wake Forest, vaunted, vaunted Wake Forest team. And, you know, those teams are dangerous. And now that we've hit the eight, it is the lowest seed to officially win one national champion. So we've got one champion coming out of the eight seed. Okay, I'll move a little quicker now. Going up to the seven seed, they have they're almost at a five hundred record. They're one hundred and fifty and one hundred and sixty seven. So the record against the ten is one hundred and one and sixty seven. So you're feeling pretty good about that. Uh, then moving on past that, typically they play the two seed. They are thirty and sixty eight, which you know you're looking at one win almost, uh, potentially one a year, maybe. So and then after that, you're not 
seeing much. Uh, they're get they're sub five hundred against the. Th- I mean, they're sub five hundred against everybody but the ten and the four seed. They're four and two against the four seed for whatever reason. Okay. But what was the record that, against the two again? Thirty and sixty-eight. Okay. Okay, and they have one national champion out of the seven seed as well, and that was that UConn team we already talked about. Okay, moving up to the six seed, we are officially above five hundred for overall record. At okay, our six seed. here we go. We got a, go. They are 189 and 166 all time. Okay. Since 1985. Uh, so, but again, we talked about the 512. We talked about the 611. This is where it does get dangerous in that first round because they are only 140 and 60 against that 11 seed. Okay. So, I mean, again, you're winning almost two to one, but uh, still, it's a little dicey. And then once you get past that, you typically face the three seed. And they have a decent record against the three seed. They are 39 and 53 all time. So that's almost 50-50 all time against the three seed. Although then once you get past that, it it drops down significantly. Uh, Against the two seed, they're 10 and 26. And then against the one seed, they're 5 and 12. So, I mean, get them to the Sweet 16, and then I would would jump ship. Although, They just so you know, they are 14 and two against the vaunted 14 seed. So watch okay. out. Watch okay. out. Okay, look out. So if that 14 upsets that three, you, you got the six in the bank. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And they have one national championship. A six seed has won one time. Okay. All right. Come to the five seed. We are essentially, we are literally an identical overall record. So the same amount of wins as the six seed. Uh, so similar to the 12. Pretty ident- almost identical, one hundred and ten and fifty four. So very similar to six eleven, uh, very similar records against their their rival. So then, once if if the five is able to survive the twelve game, uh, you face them typically against the four, where they are forty two and fifty four. So I mean, that's almost again, that's almost a fifty fifty toss up. Again, you talk about eight nine, you talk about four five. They're pretty good matchups, um, but they're right there. Good. But then once you get past that, it gets rough uh, against the one seed, which they would face in the Sweet 16. They are overall 9 and 47. So it, it's not wow. great. Yeah. So it's a big drop off once you get to the Sweet 16 for the five seeds. Uh, but once again, they are dominating the 13 seed. So if the 13 upsets the four and they face them in that second round, go with the five seed. They are 16 and three. So watch out. Okay. But no national champions have ever been a number five seed. Okay. All right. Four seed. We're starting to separate from the pack now. 239 and 166 overall. Uh, you look at them against the 13 seed. They have a great record, 113 and 30. As we talked about going against the five, which is their most likely second round matchup, uh, they got 54 and 42. Okay. So okay. again, they're just above 500. Then, then you start looking to the Sweet 16 where they're playing the one seed, 22 and 54. So not that much better than the five. So yeah. there seems to be a big drop off once you get to the sweet 16. So, I mean, as you talked about, you're seeing ones, twos, threes. I mean, the fours are kind of starting the trend of dropping off once you get to the sweet 16. Um, all right. And they have one national champion uh, from a four seed, one national champion. Okay. Okay, okay. Moving up to the three seed, 290 overall, 163 losses against the 14 seed. They're crushing 122 and 22 against the six seed. Pretty decent, but not as good as you would hope. 53 and 39. I know we talked about it as the six already. So if they survive kind of this, it yeah. is kind of a toss up. So after that, you see them typically playing the two seed in the Sweet 16, where they do not have a great record. They are 27 and 41 against the two seed. 
So if you're getting that two, three matchup, it seems to be favoring the two there. Okay. Uh, and then if they're able to get past that to play the one, they are 15 and 26 all time since 1985. Uh, okay. And you've had four national champions coming up from the three seed. Okay. Moving on to the two seed. You got 375 wins versus 161 losses. They are crushing the 15. They are, what's the next matchup after the 15? 7 10. 7. So they are 68 and 30 against the 7. They are 40 and 22 against the 10. So they're actually worse against the 10, which is odd. Uh, they are better against the 7 than they are against the 10. So just maybe just a hmm. little tidbit to keep in mind. Um, after that, as we talked about, when they're playing the 3, they have a good record against the 3 overall, 41 and 27. And then once they get to the Elite Eight where they're facing a one seed, it's a it's a toss-up. 35 and 41. Wow. So I mean, if you're making it to the Elite Eight, I know you're getting to the top talent anyway. So just know if it's against a one seed, don't be like, oh crap. I mean, they're it's essentially 50-50. So very interesting. All right. And they uh, two seed has won five national championships. All right, coming up to you boys, the number one seeds, 532 and 143. As we mentioned, only one loss ever to the 16 seed. Then they are playing your 8-9, where they have been dominating those as well. The 9, they're 73 and 8. Against the 8, they're 71 and 18. So then you're playing the 4-5. Against the 5, they're 47 and 9. Against the 4, they're 54 and 22. So, I mean, they're that's they're staying true to form. They're doing all right. All right, so now we're looking in the Elite 8, where you would play a 2 or a 3. So against the 3, they're much better. They're 26 and 15. But against the 2, it's pretty close, 41 and 35. And then, um, then you talk about playing the one seeds where you see them in the final four. Can you guess what the record is against <laughs> one seed versus one seed? Uh, it is probably um, 78 and 78. <laughs> it is 24 and 24. <laughs> uh, 24, 24. Wow, not as much as I thought. So, so the ones that are making it in are probably on different sides. Yes, they are. So yeah, there you have it, man. And they have 23 national championships since 1985. That's interesting because they have 15 in the last 20. Yep. Which means eight of the prior 16, you know? So they so have it. They, were, they were at like 50% and now they're getting 75%. Yeah. So you go. Okay. So I've got a lot of good notes here for <laughs> East tournament success. That was a lot of, that was the, a lot um, of, of numbers, seed rankings and all that. Um, but really interesting. And some stuff that I maybe, inherently thought i knew but was wrong on and stuff that i've been like yeah i've kind of gone that direction anyway um the 10s and 11s are interesting that's that's really pretty interesting yeah right okay so i'm going to give you a similar rundown for the runners up as opposed to champions not quite as much data but i will go ahead and tell you um so for the runner up this is the person who makes it to the championship but loses yep seven of the last 20 runners up were one seeds there starts to be a better breakdown between seeds here five of them were two seeds three were three seeds one four seed two fives and two eights um for whatever it's worth the last six runners up were either ones or threes again ones and threes randomly coming out of the pack here okay so uh, most likely to be a one but not certain to be a one uh 35 of the last 20 you know yeah um similar to the champions 17 of the last 20 runners up were ranked in the preseason top 25 okay and 17 of the last 20 were ranked in the final rankings again final mm-hmm. rankings you're looking at higher seeds in general but uh preseason top 25 i thought that was interesting 17 to 20 were preseason top 25 trying to think what that butler team when they were an eight seed if they were in the preseason top 25 doubtful so that's probably one of them yep 
And obviously, oh no, VC didn't make it to the championship. They made it. They lost in the final four. Okay, mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, Fifteen of the last twenty runners up were in the top ten of final rankings. So you want to keep that in mind as well. Again, that's going to coincide with your top three seeds. So maybe not that shocking, but just keep keep this stuff in mind. It is yeah. important. Um, Eleven of the last twenty were conference tournament champions. So that's about a fifty-fifty clip as well. But five of the last six. Runners up were conference tournament champions. Of course, you've got Gonzaga in there, right? So that one makes a little more sense. But five of the last six hmm. conference tournament champions. Michigan Keep was in there. Yeah. Okay. Conference tournament champion. Yeah. So if you want to look at a runner up, the conference tournaments will could be a really good indicator for you. Was Auburn a conference tournament champion? They must have been when they lost to Virginia. Was that championship or final four? Oh, they beat Texas Tech in the final, didn't they? I think it was. Yeah, that it was, was uh, it. Final four. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is kind of random, but seven of the last 20 <laughs> runners up were from the big 10. <laughs> the big 10 has a history, no champions in the last 20, but seven runners up. So they've get, they're getting there. They're get just there. not, just can't not taking it home. Nope. Three from the big 12, two from each of the PAC 12 ACC West coast conference. Those are both Gonzaga and the horizon conference, both Butler one from the sec one from conference USA. So again, kind of evenly split, but Significant that seven of the twenty were from the Big Ten. Oh, was the Conference USA was at Memphis at the time? Yeah, yeah, yep. That was the Memphis Kansas game. Yep. Okay. Um, so the profile of a runner-up, similar to the champion. I don't think this, Nelly had that song. He didn't yeah. have. It's the part of, of a number champion. two. Da, da, da. It's part of a number two. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I feel like Mr. Hankey had a had a remix of, <laughs> oh, uh, of Nelly on that one. <laughs> anyway. Uh, profile of a runner-up. They were ranked in preseason top 25. They were ranked in the top 10 in final rankings. They're one, two, or three seed. Preference for the Big Ten. <laughs> and recent preference for a conference tournament champion. So, do you I would think, say here, do you look think, who wins the Big Ten conference championship. I was going to say, do you think the Big Ten hangs that on their hats? Like, hey, we're always the runner-up. Give it up Always number two. <laughs> Um, maybe they've got uh, most final fours or something weird like that uh, in the last 20 years. But anyway, they, so I'm looking at the big 10 conference champion and <laughs> taking a good hard look at them as a potential, uh, runner up here, especially if it is Purdue or Illinois, because both of those teams were ranked in the preseason, uh, top 25. And, and if they win their conference tournament, will end up in the top 10 in final rankings. Purdue is currently nine. Wisconsin is 12. Illinois is 15 or 16. If you're looking at AP or coaches poll. The um, the case against Wisconsin, of course, is they were not preseason ranked. Mm-hmm. And so even if they go and win the Big Ten Conference Tournament Championship, they, it would be a slump buster for them to... Dang get outliers. Uh, so possibilities outside of Purdue and Illinois, who are my two favorites to be the runner-up, Kansas and Baylor and Kentucky. Um, they fit the bill for preseason rankings, ranked at the end of the year, top 10, probably be a one, two, or three. They just don't fit the Big Ten, of course. And conference tournaments don't really ma- matter as much. Uh, slump buster here would be Auburn or Wisconsin. In Auburn, I think, um, I'm trying to remember why they were a slump buster. Wisconsin <laughs> was because they weren't preseason top 25. Auburn was ranked in the preseason, but they may not have been a... Uh, can't remember why they were... They're a slump buster for some reason or another. <laughs> I can't remember. It would, it would be uh, against the trend. Okay. Interesting. I get, I like these profiles. It's kind of like almost like our perfect draft we did for fantasy football here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I think this kind of flows very well because I'm going to quickly kind of go through conference performance. So I literally, 
looked at every single conference since 1985 to see what their overall winning percentage is and how many national titles that conference has won. Uh, so just, you know, don't pick the NEC big South or American East. They have only won <laughs> one game ever versus 27, 22 and 21 losses. So they have a 3.57 or four and a half percent of a uh, winning percentage. Wow. There. So uh, don't pick them. Um, some interesting picks. So, the one conference to have, or I, excuse me, there are two conferences which have won national titles but have an overall sub 50% winning percentage. So the Big West has one national title. Can you tell me who the team was out of the Big West? Big West. I mean, is this, this is since 85. So since I was going to say, this is not, not San Francisco who won like in the no. 50s. <laughs> this, um, is, this was the running Rebels team of Las oh, Vegas, yeah. UNLV. Arcanian, yep. Larry Johnson. So they're so they out of the Big West. They're only twenty two and thirty five in the tournament, though. So not a great winning percentage. Yeah, they won like six games that year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, the other conference that has six national titles but a sub fifty percent winning percentage is the SEC. The SEC mm. is one hundred and fifty and one hundred and sixty four overall at a forty seven percent winning percentage. Yeah, I mean they're putting in a lot of teams, you know. So they are. obviously, you, and again, that's a lot of those eight, nine teams are going to come out of the big conferences. I'm not shocked by that. Obviously, Florida and Kentucky are the big uh, championship teams there, but yeah, interesting. So uh, this is just a, a nerd fact I found interesting. So obviously, uh, we've had some conference realignment. We've had conferences get bigger uh, and and such. So for example, um, looking at the Pac-10. So this is before they were the Pac-12. So the Pac-10 had a 57% winning percentage, okay, when it was just the 10 of them. Once they have switched to the Pac-12, guess what their winning percentage is? 46. 57%. It's been, so it is staying on trend. Uh, yeah, and they have, really helping out with that. They have won two national titles since 85. Um, both, both back-to-back UCLA. Yep. Yeah, so Bannon brothers. Tyus Hedney. And then um, same deal. So the Big 8 turned into the big 12 so the big eight had a 57 percent winning percentage now guess what the big 12 has as a winning percentage i'm just gonna stay on theme here 50 57.9 percent so 58 so again they're just it doesn't matter when they add four teams they're, they're just doing the same thing and although they, i would tell you like that's a big boon for the conference that they added four teams and didn't change their winning percentage like i i think you, you think worry that's that good or you, bad I think it's good, and that like you you worry like when you no grab those teams off. like you're talking teams like TCU like these aren't these are not basketball schools, and you still have that same winning percentages. It speaks pretty pretty well. So they have won three national titles. Um, okay. All right. So then in third place we have the Big Ten with a sixty percent winning percentage. Uh, so they are second Great runner up. They are second excellent among Power Five, yeah, and they have excellent runner up team. Yes, and they have three national titles since uh, nineteen eighty five. And then coming in second with a 61% winning percentage is, who do you think? Who's second? ACC. Is the Big East. Big East. Oh, man. Eight national titles. And they were, again, a 61% national uh, winning percentage. And coming in first place with a 13 national titles since 1985, the ACC winning at an impressive 66%. Uh, and you know this. <laughs> you know it. Come at me about not the best basketball conference. Get out of here. So um, <clears throat> just a couple little tidbits to note. The A-10 
it's usually kind of a, a darling in those kind of upsets in the beginning. They're they're Saint just Joe's. a shade under fifty percent. Um, if you Dayton, want to, St. Joe's, yeah, Conference USA is at straight up fifty percent. Uh, so look at them to to give you that maybe that upset in that first. Well, that was round. Cincinnati all those years, probably. That's true. Since he was, I mean, they were the beastly teams. Um, yeah. But I'll tell you, stay away from the Atlantic Sun. Stay away from the Ohio Valley. These are all sub twenty percent winning percentages. Um, you know who's awful in the tournament is the freaking Mac. I was, they were just my next team. They are thirty four percent winning percentage. I mean, they they have the worst. They might be the worst basketball. Ohio in, won last year, the man. They won the thirteen game. 13 I know, but they they're never good at basketball. None of those teams. <laughs> I don't get it. That's true. Don't get it. I mean, I used to work because the they Mac. got some dangerously good football teams. You know, like they they're, do. they're pretty decent football teams. They're just terrible, and that's right in the, like the Midwest. Like you just think, well, the Indiana going to the the power teams. I guess you're going to the Big Ten. Yeah, that's true. So anyway, so there you have it, man. ACC number one, Big East number two, Big Ten, Big Twelve, Pac twelve in terms of, and SEC surprisingly far down in terms of overall winning percentage. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, they're behind the horizon. They're behind the West Coast, Conference USA, American. I mean, American. And Zagger pretty much are the West Coast and Horizon. American is a small sample size, but uh, so yeah. So they have okay. it. Very interesting. Okay, so I've got some, I've got so far I have 15 keys to tournament success. So <laughs> uh, I'm going to finish off with some Final Four data for you real quick here. Let's hear it. Uh, tying back into the preseason rankings and all that. So 67 of the last 80 final four teams. This is 20 years, four teams every year, obviously 67 of those were ranked in the preseason top 25. So hmm. again, yeah, I'm t- talking more. about a lot of pedigree. Uh, yeah. 13 were not um, 48 of the 80 were in the preseason top 10. So a little over half are going to be preseason top 10 teams. So if you're looking at taking two of those one seeds to make it, I would look at the ones that were preseason top 10. Um, 70 of the last 80 final four teams were ranked in the final rankings. So again, it's, it's uncommon that <laughs> these teams are going to higher than like a six or seven seed are going to make it to the final four, but 10 times it's happened. Um, and 54 of 80 were in the top 10 of final rankings. So again, that's mostly for seeding, but that's really the top 10 rankings, top three seeds. So more than half in the top three seeds. Um, I mentioned this earlier, only 36 of 80 final four teams were also conference tournament champions. So it is not a great indicator. Um, it can, it can get you there. It can get you the runner up, but I wouldn't choose three teams. For instance, um, you're looking at a little bit less than half, maybe two of them could be conference champions in your bracket, but be, be careful about that. Um, six mid major conference tournament champions have made the final four in the last 11 years. So every other year or so you've got a mid major conference tournament champion it was gonzaga last year as a good example but it's not always just gonzaga and butler um there are some others that will make it vcu is a good example um probably came in hot off their tournament i would assume and carried that momentum so the the mid-majors may be more likely to do it uh coming out of their conference tournaments just not the mac according to kemper not the mac they're garbage (laughs) uh 70 of the last 80 final four teams were either a power five conference or the big east and i lump in the big east with power fives in basketball because they're every bit as good so i mean these are vast majority major schools uh big 10 big 12 pac 12 acc sec big east most of your final four teams are going to come from one of those major major conferences but 10 times which is about one every other year you're going to get one of these darlings from a small conference. Dare you say Cinderella? 
uh, Cinderella, a number one seed Gonzaga, <laughs> uh, Cinderellaing their way to the Final Four. Yes. Yeah. Woo. So that's what I got for Final Four for you. All right. Final Again, four, check four, the preseason four. rankings. Check the final rankings. That's for seeding, obviously. But check the preseason rankings. There's a, it's a better indicator than you would think. And then stick with big conferences for your Final Four. Uh, but then if you want to sneak in someone like Gonzaga – that's fine. And then consider uh, Big East a Power 5 conference at this point, Power 6. Although if you're Kyle Seeger, don't look at the preseason rankings because what was Michigan, like 6? <laughs> they, were... they were super high up there. But I'll tell you what, if they make the tournament, <laughs> they make that's it, exactly what I would do. Anything could happen. If they make the tournament, a team like Michigan is one that's going to prove that fact correct. It'll be interesting to see what they do in their conference tournament. This is yep. if, they, if they have a deep run, it's going to be one of those classic Michigan runs. They'll do better than they did last year as a number one seed, so... It'll be a Juwan. He's back. He's back. He's back from his slap suspension. <laughs> slap suspension. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, a lot of knowledge in there. A lot of facts. A lot of data. I mean, we're gonna bring. I mean, we're coming to you again after Selection Sunday. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the breakdown of the bracket and all that, and kind of give you some more final thoughts. But this is definitely a deep dive into the analytics of it. Just some some fun stats that we thought would be helpful in helping to see how your bracket's going to shape up. So again, there's a lot in here. You got to re-listen a few times, I think, just to hear our, our wonderful voices. You want to hear all that stuff. So make sure you put it on repeat. Put it on like 0.5 speed. Because probably that's where that's where Kemper just hits his sweet spot. Oh man, the it, slurring comes out big time, and it's like you know, ten in the morning. I've I've not had a drop to drink. Uh, let me give you the the sixteen keys to tournament success. Oh, the sweet sixteen, yes. the sweet sixteen, sweet 16 of keys. keys to tournament success. Number one, pick one and only one play in team to win a first round game as well. <laughs> yes. Okay. So Find take an eleven one. seed. They won their play on the playing game. It's an eleven over a six. Take one of those guys. To win the first round as well. You basically have a 50% chance because it's either 16s or 11s. We know the 16s are not going to win. So you got an 11. One, pick one of the 11s yep. from the play-in games to win. Okay. Uh, champion needs to be a preseason top 10 and final rankings top 10. So look back at the preseason top 10. Um, find out who's also ranked in the top 10 in the final rankings. There's a lot of crossover. Believe it or not, there's probably still five or six teams that, are, that were preseason top 10. They're going to be final top 10. Uh, don't pick a conference tournament champion to win the whole thing. Pick one or two number ones to make it to the final four. Don't take three or four, but give yourself one or two of them. One or two. Pick a one seed to win it all. Pick a 13 to win a game. Pick a 12 to win a game. And if you have a 12 winning a game and they're going to play against an eight or nine, if you have that upset, take the 12 to win that one too. Um, Pick two 11s to win a game. I'm going with two 11s this year. So one from the play play in. One play in and, and one other another 11. eleven. Pick two tens to win a game. Uh, eight and nine is a toss up, but don't pick either of them to beat the one. If you have an eight beating a one, take them to the final four. The <laughs> For real, I mean they're like really good against everybody That's else. True, because you know? they're like take we beat the, the one, four. we're gold. Let's other go. than the twelve, like the rant, the, the rare exception <laughs> is exactly what happened last year, which is like you know yeah. Loyola beats Illinois, then loses to Oregon State. It's a rare exception, but if you have an eight beating a one, which could happen. Take them all then the take way. them all the way. Yeah, take them to the final four. Um, pick a number seven. Pick one number seven to win two games. So have a have a two seed get upset in the second round by a seven somewhere. Three and six and four and five are kind of toss ups. Ones crush the five seeds pretty good against the fours. So those are toss ups. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to take some upsets, if you get upset points, if you want to be contrarian, take a six over a three. Four and five, flip a coin. Um, 
Twos are 35 and 41 against ones in the Elite Eight. So if you got a one-two matchup and you have, let's say you have all four, chalky bracket, one-two, 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 one-two. Take two twos and two ones out of those because it's basically a toss-up. Runner-up could be Purdue or Illinois, Big Ten champion. (laughs) (laughs) The runner-up is the Big Ten. Uh, Champion could be Duke or Villanova. Um, The ACC crushes 66% win percentage in tournament history. Just want to throw that in there. And then three of your four Final Four teams need to have been ranked in the preseason top 10. Okay. There you have it. Top 25, at least. The you know we're not going to say sweet. We're going to say the savory sixteen keys to your bracket savory success. Sixteen. Yeah, we. I feel like sweet sixteen is probably trademark. We're already getting sued for mentioning the the big game previously. <laughs> yeah. So salty sixteen it could be a lot of different things. <laughs> salty, savory, spectacular. Any yeah. s's? I don't like spectacular. Umami. I like savory. Savory is pretty good. That's good. Savory, sweet, sweet, maybe even sultry if you want to go like so, a different like, vibe. Hey. Yeah. Turn on some red yeah. lights. Get your sultry 16. Get the Barry White going, yeah. <laughs> so savory, sultry, whichever you want to go. Those are the 16 keys to bracket success, finding your champion. So dang, man, we went through a lot today. I did not think we were going to have this much, but dang, we are good at data. My gosh. A lot of data. Use this data and crush your brackets. Crush I'm excited it. about my bracket because I'm about to crush it. He's... I can't wait for it to come out. I'm going to absolutely crush this. Would you say this is your recipe for success? I think I might say it's a recipe for college basketball tournament success. Yeah. I mean, we are just branching out. We're getting, again, we're talking about savory. We're getting new tastes in our recipes. So let's do you this. You know, a man. lot of recipes tell you to fold in cheese. They okay? do. It's not just one. So you're very true. When you're doing that. your bracket, you fold in that cheese. You fold in the cheese. So, and always keep on folding. Fold it. Freddy, Freddy, crazy little thing called love. Don't you f***ing dare put that in the back. <laughs> or else I will find you in the red lights and give you savory 16s. I'll bite you on the back 16 times if you don't give me savory 16s. <laughs>